Holy crap. A new introduction to the podcast. But for real, though, the rest of it will come after this. I just want to thank you guys. Um, all the five-star ratings that we're getting on all the podcast apps is awesome. And I appreciate it when I hear people telling me that someone else told them about the podcast. So you guys rock. Uh, listen to the commercials or skip by them. It's cool. And your episode's on its way. Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws... Well, they both look pretty badass, and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge. When you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees, look at AssaultLimited.com. Also sponsoring today's podcast is Urban Savage, U-R-B-N-S-V-G.com. The best quality apparel available. American-made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny. The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out urbnsvg.com. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best kit secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's A3 eqip.com a3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion a lip balm a hair conditioner honestly anywhere you want to keep moist and healthy get yours today at a3 eqip.com all doctors to the er do these guys have any idea what they are talking about talking about talking about Get squared away. Spiritual. Get squared away. Emotional. Get squared away. Mental. Get squared away. Physical. The podcast that'll help you get squared away. Alright, we're back with a, another glorious episode of the Squared Away Podcast. I want you guys to to recognize that on the uh, Spotify, which is the most used podcasting app, you guys can now leave comments and ask questions. Um, I have figured out how to allow those to be posted. I had to set up a, a backend through Spotify um, so that I'm able to, I guess, react to those, but I have not figured out how to reply to them yet. So I'm, uh, I'm working on that. It, currently on the dashboard that I have, I, uh, I can see your comments, I can post your comments, but I can't reply to your comments. So what I may end up having to do is also comment uh, back, and you'll have to look for the the replies there. But um, had a few comments that 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 came through for the last few episodes, and now when you guys are on there, there should be a spot where you can uh, you can leave comments or or ask questions. So I just want to put that out there and let everybody know that I I am able to get those now. So thank you for everyone that is out there doing that. Um, what do you got for me this week, buddy? Hey, uh, I got some. News on the next uh, pandemic. 
Um, I'm looking at my phone here. The first message I got was basically inside information was BA286 was going to be the new variant that's coming out. The file name and the folder is Parola. And they're going to claim it's going to contain 30 more spike protein mutations. It's more immune invasive. And basically they're saying, well, if you got a runny nose and a cough, possibly a sore throat and minor flu um, symptoms, then, you know, you will probably, quote, be characterized as having it. So they're going to start it in the, with mask mandates in September. And October, they're going to push between October and December back into the uh, lockdown. So um, the feds had opened up a lot of uh, contracts to PPE manufacturers. And these are contracts that purchase basically more uh, kits again. Um, They're going to report that it started in Michigan and in Britain. And the latest news I heard is that from the actual media, they're pushing it started in Canada. Um, it's interesting to say is that, you know, Pfizer and Moderna had met. They got to close the year out strong. Pfizer's been down 20 to 30%. Moderna's been down uh, 35% and higher climbing. So uh, they're going to blame it. The narrative is going to blame it on the being relaxed on COVID restrictions causes the new variant. And then the who is going to be involved in this as well. So, so I got that a couple of weeks ago, and you're starting to see a lot of stuff pop up on the news. You're starting to see kids going back to college, and they are starting the mandates on a lot of the small colleges. Uh, for example, I think one that hit the news was uh, there's a college in Atlanta that is forcing the mask mandates again. So, so just a heads up. Um, and I just got, I just saw. <laughs> Something pop up in the news that they did uh, use the B two eight B A two eight six Parola as the new variant. So, um, something to keep in mind. News is already pushing it, saying, "Oh, there's thirty six more mutations versus the thirty that was in the original data." So, you know, this fear porn is starting to get old, but figure let's get ahead of it and push back. I. Uh... I could see just out of natural evolution of a viral disease that this is not necessarily planned to be like this. This is how viruses evolve. And the season is natural for viruses to become more prominent because of the weather and because of what is happening um, in everyone's life between kids going back to school and college kids going back to college and then the type of, you know, being in close quarter contact with so many people. Um, so, so all of that of what you said is, is probably completely natural and completely um, regular. And we see it with flu seasons, too. It's not just of, of you know, this specific virus. What I will be curious to see is two things. One, I will be curious to see whether they have the balls to actually try any sort of mitigation efforts along the lines of what they did a few years ago. And I will be curious to see what the American people 
or how the American people react to what they are saying. Um, one thing that I think is going to be a secondary counteraction from the, I guess, people in charge trying to push this through the youth, especially when they're going to college, is I think that you're going to see an unintended, um, basically, more distrust in federal government than we currently have because these kids are going into some of the most, I guess, not informative, that's not the right word, but some of the most um, uh, life-changing years of their life. And if they are being forced to wear masks and lock down and not have gatherings and all this shit, they're going to push back. They are going to see this as a an overreach, a federal overreach, a governmental overreach, an authoritarian overreach. And I think that what we're going to see from that is we're going to see an entire generation come out of this that has even less trust in the federal government than what we do. And I may be wrong. I I I don't hope I hope I'm right. Um because currently I think a mistrust in the federal government is probably beneficial versus just status quo because we have a bunch of fucked up people in charge that think that they're doing something right, but they don't actually have the, I guess, balls to research what the secondary and tertiary outcomes are, and they're just going off of what their, you know, people that pay for the fucking studies tell them. But you know, we, we've, we've went on dire tribes down that forever and nothing we say is going to change anything. I'm just really curious to see those two things, what, what they have the guts to do and how the American people stand up to it. So are you, are you thinking that the next generation, the college generation are going to have the stones to push back? I don't even know that it there will be a pushback from them. My pushback question was more towards the older generations of American people, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Um, what I'm thinking as far as the college generation is it's literally just going to cause um, more disruption and more distrust of the federal government. Kind of like, all right, so let's say that you're a let's say you're a 16 year old kid. Right. And uh, and, and you're and you're wanting to to have an alcoholic beverage or you're wanting to smoke and your parents drink and smoke and they tell you not to drink and smoke, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it causes a lack of trust. It causes a, a lack of respect. It basically makes it so that anything else that you tell them is kind of questioned along the lines of the two things that you just told them that you don't even fucking follow, right? Yeah. And it's going to cause that kind of a lack of respect of the federal government, lack of trust of the federal government. Um, versus if you are able to, you know, explain nuances and also let them question things, right? Like we 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 talked about in the beginning of this episode last week with the with with the trying to create children that are able to intelligently question everything means that they're going to intelligently question you also. And you have to be able to explain your stance. And if you can't explain your stance, you have to be able to retract your stance and say, you know what, maybe, maybe you're right on this one. And um, I think that that's what these kids are going to be. They're going to be looking for that and, and they're not going to get it. 
from the federal government. They're not going to get it from the authorities at charge. So I think that 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 makes it that much more important that they get it from us as parents, right? Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens. So we live in a liberal school district. At least, you know, my kids are in the public. So my, my kid, the one left. So see what happens. Yeah, I won't have to deal with any of that. And then this week we had the debates. The yeah. first the first Republican presidential debate without the the front runner, Papa Trump. Yeah, the front runner was having an interview with Tucker Carlson during the debates. Yep. So that was interesting. What what I hate, um, and this isn't necessarily about the debate specifically, this is about the current state of social media excuse me, or not even social media, I'm going to say media, the current state of media is I didn't actually catch the debates, right? Oh, you didn't? No. So I went back and I tried to, I tried to find the thing in full length Mm -hmm. and you can't find the fucking thing. You can't find it in full length. (laughs) All you can find is, is chopped up highlights. And it's literally the only thing that keeps playing over and over and over because of the way that algorithms work Mm -hmm. is the top 10 like punchline quotes. Like I can't, I, I can't yeah. even find like long form answers to any of the questions. I can find the one statement from Nikki Haley where she mentioned, you know, ask a man to talk about something or ask somebody to talk about something, ask a man, ask something to do something. And you'll ask a woman from Margaret Thatcher or whatever the fuck the quote is. Oh. I get that one. I get her quote about uh, Trump spending. I get Chris Christie's. Uh, calling Vivek Ramaswamy chat GBT. And then I get um, everybody talking, you know, shit about Trump, which is, which is fine. Like I, I don't, I don't love Donald Trump any more than anybody else, but it's like, I want some, I want to be able to watch the long form content and I just can't find it. And maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not looking in the right place, but the only thing that I could even find that was long form were um people's like reaction videos where it's mm-hmm. you're watching them watch the debates yeah and i think the media completely overblown it i watched the whole thing um yeah, i'll be honest i mean when i did look at the highlights to get the highlights it was a lot of stuff taken out of context you really had to watch watch it all and even kind of watch the body language of the, the candidates to kind of see you know there's a lot of surprises i had um, you know, Vivek, Vivek and uh, DeSantis were duking it out and Vivek was saying all the right things, you know, the America first stuff and just really, you know, I mean, he was slick, but you know, there's just some stuff about him that, you know, he repeated, kept repeating the line that, uh, Obama used, right. Is, uh, you know, the, the skinny yeah, who's a skinny guy? Yep. Blah 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 blah, with a funny name and all this stuff. And there's just some stuff in his history that he just hasn't answered in a lot of interviews yet. That that's the only thing that to me is just doesn't sit right yet. Um, you know, his connection to getting some funding from uh, George Soros, and you know, small items of, of him being in the pharmaceutical business, um, his ownership and how he got funding um while the business was tanking and how he was pulling money out of that business so nothing that he's answered outright um he's gotten some softball questions about it but yeah just you know 
I don't know. This that's why we have debates, right? And that's why you know these uh, politicians go on interviews. But all in all, I mean, I, I like DeSantis, but he was such a canned politician as, as the rest of them were too. Uh, Mike Pence, you know, yeah, I mean, he claims to be a Christian guy, but man, you can really tell he's he's part of that. You know, I shouldn't say part of that. He's just a, a professional politician. And that's what you really saw and heard from, you know, Nikki Haley, from Tim Scott. I don't know. He was just kind of like out there. I thought he was on drugs or something. I thought he was, I I thought he came across in the few clips that I caught of him as so much less intelligent than I thought he was. Yeah, there there was not a lot of, he basically just took his uh, Christian stance. So he sounded more like he was sitting behind a pulpit, you know, as a pastor versus sitting in a debate you know, being intelligent about it. So it just every time they shot to him and asked the questions, he was just off in la la land. Um, you know, Asa Hutchinson, I don't even know why he was there. Um, Durham or was it Durgham? The guy yeah, from whatever North Dakota. His name is. Yeah. I mean, he's just, you know, between him and uh, Hutchinson, they're polling so low. They shouldn't even have been there. Sure, they added some comic relief, but that's about it. And I mean, it was pretty, it was a disappointing debate overall. You really didn't get a whole lot of uh, meat from it. So it's, it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to be real honest. I didn't even know Chris Christie was going to be on this debate until it came on. And then I'm like, what the fuck is this guy even doing here? He's the worst. I didn't know there was any actual, like, I didn't, I didn't even know he was part of the running. Yeah. The disappointing part is that. You have these politicians up there who have been politicians their almost their whole lives, their whole career, like Christie and Pence, and that's what the ticket that they're that's the bill they're running on that. They're like, oh well, we have experience, and their big thing was like, well, you don't want a rookie like Vivek, basically how they're putting it. You know, look what I did in this state, and look what I did. I mean, Chris Christie hasn't done much, and Pence hasn't done much so i don't even know where pence was a politician at prior to vp indiana okay you know they they just pull out that you know these little resume points and use that to say well you know i have experience in this and nikki haley's like well i have all she talks about is you know her foreign policy experience And, and that's it you know i don't think that's what people need i don't think that's you know your everyday like that one song that's uh really popular what was that again Richmond, North of Richmond. Rich, Richmond, North of Richmond, yep. You know, that is what's ringing in, you know, in people's lives. That's how, that's relatable. I mean, when I listen to it, I get the goosebumps. I'm like, holy jeez. You know, I don't listen to that style of music, but man, you know, he hits it on the point. So these politicians don't. I just felt like I was just listening to more, you know. I should just have one of these uh, whatever vacuum sales guys show up at the door and, and tell me the same shit. I would have liked to when when Nikki Haley was was riding Vivek about his foreign policy experience. I would have liked to have heard something out of him to the effect of the president isn't in office to know everything. Right. He is in office to know that he needs to hire someone like you to do the job that knows everything about that individual aspect. Like you're a CEO of a company, you don't know the actual science down to a detail you couldn't sit in a lab and recreate a you know a, a, a protein out of a, through a synthesis um but you you hire the right people that can yeah and that's the fucking job 
I mean, uh, that's what I do for work is like, you know, I always tell my team is like, we're scattered around the world, but I depend on them for their skill set. I don't, I'm not going to sit there and take time and do their job and learn their skill set. But I know I need their skill set. My job is to hold them accountable for the results, right? Yep. So that's what a president needs to do is surround himself with the best people for the job. And right now it's just, I don't know, the whole politics just leaves a bad taste in, in my mouth, whether it's from the left or from the right. I, I, I digress. I think it's, it's hopefully there are some things learned through this one. Hopefully some of these guys just kind of fade off into the, into the dust. And it would be really nice to see a, a substantive, substantive debate yeah. with some actual substance from the, you know, top four candidates um, versus just a, you know, a, a who can out Trump Trump, right? Who can out yell, yeah. who can out yell the other guy who can, you know, who, who has the most fucking insta worthy comebacks. Cause that's what this one was all about. Yeah. I mean, what's the plan if they get in, you know, do they have a plan? You know, do they understand what's going on with, you know, middle America? I, I don't know. At this point, I don't hear anything about that. It's just, here's my resume and here, let me brag on it and try to hammer the next guy down. So I don't know. It's disappointing. Um, hey, what's your thoughts on, uh, you know, Trump's uh, new glamour shot that keeps floating around? Which one? Is a mugshot. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I just, I haven't taken the time to look at all 91 of his indictments, but I will say that out of all of them that I've looked at so far, they seem to be bullshit and they seem to be, and, and, and everybody does this, right? Like there's a reason that the, the right, um, the, the, the pro two a people, bring all of these um, lawsuits in states like Texas because they know that that's a place where they can, they have a better chance of winning. Right. But when you see that the, the judge that, and I know we talked about this last week, so I won't even talk about it very long, but the, the judge that, that sentenced the fucking guy who was walking around asking for directions, you know, being a peaceful protester, basically in the, in the Capitol, um, they sentenced him to what? What was it? We figured it out last year. Last it was twenty years or ten years or something, just fucking insane. Yeah. And uh, when when they when they bring these indictments into a judge's courtroom that does something like that, we we know what it is. It's political theater. Yeah. Oh, exactly. I mean, I looked at uh, gosh, what is? It? I know the exact number. It just keeps climbing. But you're looking at probably 80% of those indictments are like conspiracy. Um, conspiracy against the, what is the integrity of elections? Basically what it is summed up to be. Um, I don't even know if I phrased that correctly. But, you know, what does that tell you when they're going that hard after him? Because he's basically going at him saying, oh, I don't trust uh, the integrity of the last election. Yeah. What does that say about the people going after him? I don't know. I'm, let's move on. It's <laughs> fucking depressing. How far do we get? Do we get to positive communication and active listening last week? I think that was where we left off. So we, we started um, 
we started talking last week basically about healthy parenting because let's face it um fucked up people make fucked up people and if we are able to invest ourselves into creating a positive healthy next generation we'll have less of the shit to deal with right um yeah. so that was the whole goal of this podcast and it, it, it's now turned into a two segmenter because there is so much here to talk about but parenting is like everything else that you do um you can't rely on being perfect at it you just have to try to be better than you were yesterday so everything here that we talk about and everything we talked about last week are literally it's 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 pointers right it's it's a it's a map it's it's guidelines that you can lean to when you're when you're like hey, am i am i doing this right or it's a suggestions for things that you can improve on and i think that a majority of people are self reflective enough that if they actually took the time they would look back at things that they've done and go, nah, I did that poorly, right? But a lot of people don't take that time. So this is kind of a, this is just a little bit of a spotlight to to kind of have you guys look back and go, oh, what can I, what can I do better? What can I do better to make my kids better and to give them a better chance for the future? And one thing that a lot of studies have shown is communication and active listening. And I know as adults, we have a hard time with this with children more because we don't necessarily keep our children at a level with us as far as respect and as far as our attention. And we kind of, we kind of hold them down and we, and we, and we look at them, we kind of loom over them. And so when they have something to say, we don't listen as well as we should. And when we want to get a point across, we don't take the time to communicate with them the way that we need to for them to understand. And if you're not doing that, all you're doing is creating an authoritarian household. And by creating an authoritarian household, you're never teaching a kid how to do something. You're never inspiring them to think through problems and problem solve. You're never giving them a chance to mess up. And then when they mess up, helping them look back at, at what they can learn from those mistakes. You're literally just telling them how to do things. And if they don't do it that way, you're saying, I told you that's how to do it and see, it didn't work. Right. Yeah. And so. If you are able to communicate with your kids as if you would with your spouse or your friend or someone that you need to you need to work with at work, then you're going to recognize and realize that if you are able to explain to a child why they should do something a specific way or why the way that you're suggesting they do something or even the thing that you're doing is has a reason behind it they're just a lot more likely to listen it doesn't mean they're going to but it means it's more likely right yeah and uh, i believe really strongly that i mean the kids will listen to you reciprocate that if you take the time to listen to them and as a father of 
three kids that are now grown adults, you know, one married off, a couple pretty darn close. Um, the times that I look back that were the most joyous memories that I've had are the, actually the times where it wasn't any special event. It was actually all these little moments where you're interacting and by interacting is, is just listening. You know, one of my favorite memories is when my daughter, oldest daughter, uh, when I got home from work would come running and then, uh, we'd go off and I'd lay down cause I was tired from the day and she just literally was small enough to sit on my chest and just boom, rattled off her whole day. It's kind of like that. You know, Oprah said that every female has a thousand words to say a day. Well, I think that's when she rattled it off, but you know, I, I just learned that man, there's shit brings her joy when dad's listening to her. And, uh, you know, she still does it today. I don't think she realizes it, but <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, the interaction, you know, take that time to listen to the kids because um, even even coaching football, it's the kids that, you know, you don't listen to or that, you know, the adults don't listen to. I can really see a difference in behavior for the child, right? They're really vying for that attention. A lot of that's not positive either. Yeah. Um, with 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 the listening, it's not always glorious, right? But just because just because you're bored out of your mind listening to a dream, right? Cause kids, kids have these dreams. Oh yeah. And, and kids dreams and, and our, our adult dreams are like this too, but we don't just, we don't sit down and tell people about our dreams. We don't necessarily remember them, but Kim's kids dreams seem to be this da 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 da. And there's no arc and there's no, it's just like, and this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened. And man, if you can, if you can, if you can lock in, and listen, when your kid is telling you about a dream, you you have a superpower because that shit is, 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 is rough, but, um, just listen, listen to your kids. And part of listening is spending quality time. And if you are not able to spend a lot of time, then the quality of your time is that much more important. Um, a study in the year 2000 showed that the frequency of shared activities played a role in influencing positive emotions and self-esteem. And if you don't, if, if, if it's hard to recognize that, then just think about what it tells a kid mentally and emotionally when you're spending quality time with them. It tells them that they matter. It tells them that you care. It tells them that they're they're worthy and your internal feeling of worth is what is where all of your uh self-esteem comes from right yeah so if you don't tell if you don't show your kid that they're worthy how do you ever expect them to feel worthy yeah and that, and that quality time you can't be the disney parent or just constantly an event an event and you got to go to these places and you know got to wait in line for these rides and all this. It's that quality time. The stuff that they remember is just little things that happen every day at home. So, you know, if I don't know if you got a game time, if you got a, a movie time, it's those little things that they will remember. They don't, they won't remember every single trip that you took as a family and all the pictures that you took for the same family vacation every year. So stuff that they'll remember is, 
you know, a lot of the, a lot of the guys I know that lost their father. They remember all the times that they're working alongside their dad in the garage. You know, even the, even the gals too, you know, or the, you know, dad took them hunting or something. Just nothing. Doesn't have to be, you know, a $2,000 Disney day or something. So. No, I think there's, I think there really, it really comes down to two types of quality time, right? It is passive quality time and it's active quality time. And I think that that, that passive quality time, those are, those are the times where you're, you're just sitting there and like the last point is you're just listening. You're just talking. It doesn't necessarily need to be a, a deep talk. It doesn't need to be a talk about anything. You're just, you're, you're giving them time. You're giving them your attention and you're showing them they're worthy. And that could be literally sitting on the couch facing each other. That could be at the dinner table. We still eat dinner, you know, most nights of the week at the dinner table together. It could be when you're putting them to bed. It could be whenever, right? And then there's the active quality time. And the active quality time is those times where you're just doing something. And like Martin said, it doesn't need to be, you know, a thousand dollar day. It literally could be going for a walk in the woods or fishing or working on the lawnmower or anything that involves something that they can do with you that keeps you attentive to them, right? Yeah. So like if you're showing them how to take apart a lawnmower, how to change a tire, how to sand a board, how to bait a hook, how to do any of these things, you are, you are attentive to them because you're showing them how to do it. And it gives you guys something to, to have in common, right? It gives them... Yeah. It gives them a hobby to have with you. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah, even if it's a game that they want to play that maybe you don't. And uh, and nowadays it's probably a video game you can play, but, you know, just something you can do together that is, hey, it's on their level. You don't always have to teach them. Sometimes they're teaching you how to do something. So not that hard nowadays with technology. Kids seem smarter than we are. Oh, yeah, I can't even remember what it was the other day, but, um, oh, my. You show you how to turn on the tablet or what? No, 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 they were leaving the, they were leaving the zoo and, uh, the zoo in Milwaukee and my wife had her GPS on and my daughter's like, uh, can you change the car? And she's like, I don't know. I've never spent the time to change the car. Right. It's like her GPS on her phone. And, uh, she's like, oh, let me see it. And 30 seconds later, she's like, I made us a yellow car. I made us a yellow bug. (laughs) It's like, okay. Like. She just it it clicks in their heads because they deal with it all day. Yeah. Um, the encouragement of curiosity. Uh, studies that we've read in childhood development suggest that fostering curiosity supports cognitive growth and a love of learning. I mean, that one's I guess pretty self-explanatory. But I think one of the weird things with encouraging curiosity is I don't think there's that many grown-ups that are curious anymore. Do you? Do you feel uh, like a lot of people that you talk with are, are curious anymore? No, kind of the other end of the spectrum, the other C word, comfort, comfortability. Right? Like they feel like curiosity is seems like a risk now as the older you get. Yeah, I could see that. Um, this study found that parents who encourage their children's curiosity through activities such as answering questions... Providing novel experiences, novel is new in case you're not sure about that one, and engaging in creative tasks had children who slowed, showed higher levels of curiosity, creativity, and cognitive development. And their exploratory behaviors 
and their problem-solving behaviors were, were much better than, than the children who do not have those situations. And if you think about problem-solving, basically a majority of what we do um, as far as to make money in the world mm-hmm. is either brute labor or problem solving, right? Mm-hmm. You're either, you know, you're either a cog, right? You're, you're putting something on an assembly line, you're delivering something or you're punching numbers into a spreadsheet or you're problem solving. Those are like the two, the two things that we do. So if you increase your child's uh, problem solving ability, through fostering curiosity, you're literally building them up to be more valuable and have a better life financially in the future. Yeah, no, I'd have to agree with that. I mean, the other part of curiosity is, I mean, the big thing I encourage my kids to do is, you know, is travel, you know, try the different cultures, see the different cultures and realize that, you know, we're not on, the United States is not an island that we're on, and everything doesn't revolve around what we do. There's tons of different cultures out there, and you just have to be exposed to that so that, you know, it it helps develop your mind. You know, it's part of that growth mindset, right? Yeah, and immerse yourself in the culture. Don't travel to a Four Seasons and fucking... South Africa and and, and go and to McDonald's. Think, yeah, and think that you were, you know, think that you you understand South African culture, right. right? Like Jamaica, I think is the weirdest one because we went to Jamaica and there's this. We were in a resort and it was for work, so we didn't get to pick the spot. But we we were in this resort and it was this three tier resort. It was like families and affordable. It was families and luxury, and then it was no kids and luxury. And we were in the no kids and luxury part of the resort. And it's great, right? It's it's a luxury resort. You're there. You you drink all the coffee you want, drink all the booze you want, eat all the food you want, whatever. It's it's all good. But then we had to take a bus, and the bus went over the top of the mountain through all these little mountain. I wouldn't call them towns. They're more like it's more like one busy oh, road. Village. It's oh, more yeah. like one busy road that just has like houses built on it. And the weird thing in Jamaica is is because I don't think anybody really has credit there. Um, especially out in the in the country, so you you buy the the stuff to build your house when you have the money. So there's just these half built structures all throughout the mountainsides along the main road. Some of them have the foundation. Some of them have the foundation and a few walls. Some of them have a roof. Some of them are getting close, right? They're starting to get windows and stuff. But it's the weirdest thing. And and the way that the construction is is it's all because it's an island, right? It's wet and it's messy. It's all basically waterproof, like stone and stucco and, and mortar construction. So they just slowly build up throughout time. That was, that was one really, really interesting thing that I never would have seen if we wouldn't have got to leave the resort. The other two more weird things that, that I picked up from Jamaica are, for one, they must not have any like trash pickup because it's literally just garbage littered up and down the main yeah. road. Um, which was sad to see because the island is so beautiful, but everyone there just seems to ta- throw their shit anywhere. Yep. And then they just, it just, it accumulates along the roadside and they just live in it. The other weird thing is, is once you get out of the big city, um, there's not like, there's not bars. About every third house, there's a little shanty in their front yard 
that has signage all over the outside of it, just the way like a fucking downtown Madison bar would, you know, all the bar signs that, that all the liquor distributors give them. And literally your neighbor, Phil, or what, you know, give me a Jamaican name, right? Um, opens the bar at four when he gets home from his regular job and you go sit at Phil's shanty and buy drinks from Phil in his shanty in his front yard. And that's the bar. It's the yeah. weirdest fucking thing. <laughs> that's our community. Right? You know, yeah. It's uh. but like I am, we, we, we were lucky to be able to, to realize that part of their culture because if I wouldn't have ever left the resort, I never would have realized that part of the culture. I would have got a bunch of tourists and then the 10 dudes that were trying to sell some really wet pot on the side of the beach. Like that's what I would have got. <laughs> oh yeah. You'll get that on a, pretty much a leave resort in any Island. They're, they're after you right away. Right. Especially, you know, you're about as white as can be. So, Hey, little Irish here, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's for, for kids too. mission trips are incredible and they're life changing for most people. So a lot of people I know have been to mission trips to Haiti and really have uh, come back and just it's eye-opening and realize what you have here. So, you know, that's a great encouragement of curiosity for kids who want to do that exercise. Another one is to encourage emotional intelligence. Excuse me. Um, if... <laughs> You are the type of parent that encourages emotional intelligence by trying to catch your child in the situation and just have them realize their emotion at the moment, right? Like it doesn't necessarily mean that if I'm angry or I'm sad or I am uh, gloating or whatever the emotion is, right? It doesn't necessarily mean that by being aware of it, you are going to be able to process it and change it. But the first step is being aware of it. And if you're the type of parent that is able to just very calmly make your child aware of the emotion that they're feeling at the moment, you will see that the development of emotional intelligence and the development of emotional regulation will come down the line. And if you can model this your own way, um, you will realize that your child will develop all of these amazing emotional abilities. They will be more empathetic. They will be more in control of their emotions when they start to fly off the handle. Um, because we're, we're human beings, right? We're emotional beings and being able to realize and control those emotions give you 10 steps ahead of the person that is always stuck in their emotions and unable to unable to move forward or unable to process and still do their daily tasks while they're in the emotional state. Right. Yeah. And that's uh, yeah, low EI is what's kind of taking over society right now. And that comes from, you know, stems from parenting. You have it at home, especially gosh, you know, the single parent families stuff and I can see that on, on the coaching level. I can see that in the kids that come from the single family homes um are really lacking the EI. And it's they're you know, the handful to coach, fortunately. Yeah, and it and it's hard, man. Like I I get it. I completely understand. Um but 
there's not one thing to blame for what we're seeing right now, but I will say that if you're not working on yourself and you're not improving yourself, then how do you ever expect your child to want to work on themselves? Yeah. No, that's a good point. I mean, I shouldn't leave out the fact that, I mean, there's some kids that are just a mess emotionally and they're coming from two parent homes. And, um, you know, the pattern that I see, you know, what I have to deal with is they're coming from affluent two parent homes. I agree with that. And I think that that was kind of where I was going with that one was because you have a large amount of children today whose parents are so fucking worried about being able to, you know, make the next dollar that they are spending no time with their kids and they're doing none of these things that we talked about today. They're literally just paying for another app and paying for another sport and buying the next pair of sneakers and and doing whatever only money can do and they're not getting any of the actual parenting that we've evolved to have for 100,000 years. Yeah. Agreed. Um empathy and compassion that one comes with emotional intelligence. Nothing big there. Um a healthy lifestyle. Uh and this is this is an interesting one because when we start to look at studies when it comes to healthy lifestyle, it is really hard to dictate how much of a child's health they are getting from their parents' genetics versus how much a child's health they are getting from their lifestyle because their parents give them their lifestyle and their parents give them their genetics, right? Yeah. But. What I will say is there have been numerous studies that have shown physical activity, sleep, and nutrition. Weird, like the things that we talk about Mm -hmm. for human beings overall. They show much more cognitive development and a much better emotional well-being. Um, So I think the fact that we're unable to see whether it's your genetics that you're giving your kids or it is your lifestyle is kind of null and void because even if you're giving them the fucked up genetics that you have, you can make it better by having a good lifestyle. Like if you're the type of person who, right, we all, we all know these people, they, they look at a donut and they start to get fat. Right. And the shitty thing about being that type of person is, is you got a bunch of people who can eat six donuts and never get fat. And they're looking at you going, why don't you just stop eating the donuts? And it's like, fuck you, you fucking gifted asshole. But realistically, if you gave those genes to your kids, then instead of just saying, oh, fuck it, I gave them those genes. How about we say, all right, well, how about we both need to learn how to deal with these genes because we can't fix our genetics. Right. So then you start to right in that situation. Yeah. You are one. You are teaching your child to start to question what they know about nutrition, physical activity, and sleep. Okay, so we're, we're, we're fostering curiosity. You are improving your own life by improving your lifestyle 
and you're giving them a step ahead by helping them improve their lifestyle. So really, it's a win-win-win all the way around. Yeah. And I think we get to a point in society now where genetics is used as an excuse versus the baseline. I think we got to get back to where, you know, yeah, if, if you have, you know, bad, worse genetics than somebody else, guess what? You have a different plan of attack. You know, you may, you may not look like, uh, what, you know, the airbrushed Photoshop GQ cover, but you know what? You got to be the best that you can be. Can't, couldn't agree more. Um, this one's big because we've noticed we actually left the local public school because of, um, this is a big, this is a big issue. Parentals and parental involvement in education and learning. Um, the school is not there to raise your fucking kid. The school is there to teach them things in a way that you may not be able to teach them, like math, reading, language, geography, sociology, psychology, chemistry, a bunch of shit that you probably are not qualified to teach them. They are not there to teach them emotional intelligence. They are not there to teach them to treat people the way they want to be treated. They are not there to teach them all of this shit that you were supposed to teach them. So the example that I use is when I was in school, there was kind of that one fuck up kid per grade, right? Right. And if he was in your class, he interrupted the whole class. Always, constantly. Now, there's like two of those per class in public school. And they're always the kids that have zero parental influence. Half the time, the parents aren't even the ones picking them up. Um, most of the time, you know, the, the, the parents are the first to yell at the teacher because the kid had a bad day, right? So parental involvement in school has been shown to increase higher levels of student motivation, self-regulation, and positive attitude towards school. When they have those higher levels, everything else that comes along with school is improved. Your learning, your cognitive ability, your intelligence, even your ability to question things and learn about things and research things are improved. And I think that that is, it's self-explanatory when you think about it, but like you don't see, if you're not at the schools and seeing these kids, you don't understand how important the parents' involvement in the education is. No, it's totally agreed. I mean, the parent, the school's responsible for the academic training and coaching of your child. The parent's responsibility is to install the moral code to your child and have them ready to learn when they get to school. That's it's not happening. How about this one? How often are you seeing this today? independence and responsibility you need to emphasize the importance of gradually increasing a child's autonomy and responsibilities for their self-esteem and confidence how many kids do you know that are 16 17 18 years old that would absolutely never be able to fend for themselves you want to stretch that to 30 40s <laughs> that you're not wrong i know I, I i'm like picturing a solid handful of people unfortunately, that are in their 40s. So you can't David Goggins your kid. You can't just throw them to the wolves and expect them to come out. What you need to do is slowly, gradually 
increase their responsibility, gradually increase their independence, right? Like if your kid has never walked from here to the corner store by themselves and the corner store is 10 miles away and they have to cross three fucking busy highways, then maybe don't just say, go to the corner store and get, get yourself an ice cream bar, right? But if the corner store is around the fucking corner, then maybe that's a good first step, yeah. right? And then, and then work with them on learning to cross the street. Work with them on how to pay with a cashier, how to count change, how to know whether the money they have in their pocket is enough, right? These are all things that you are gradually teaching them independence, not just doing it for them all the time. Yep. And that one's not easy. I even understand it wasn't easy for me, especially with like little things like tying shoes, right? Like when you want to leave the house, you can wait <laughs> 10 minutes for your child to tie their shoes or you can tie them for them in 30 seconds. Yeah. But you're going to be tying them for them for 30 seconds for the next fucking two years versus waiting 10 minutes for them to tie them for a month. And you, you have to, it's like you said, you have to give them a little bit at a time to develop that, that muscle memory. And by muscle, I'm not, not talking about biceps and triceps, but that mental muscle needs to be built too. So it's giving them little bits of responsibilities that lead to big responsibility. Otherwise, yeah, you got these, unfortunately, there's a lot of kids raising kids. So even the 40-year-olds I'm thinking of have kids. But the problem is their kids are going through the same thing. They're like lost. We're just fucked. I'm just saying it right there. We're just fucked. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. There's I, just a portion of the population. And, 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 portion. and Hey, maybe one of those five people listens to this podcast and is like, oh, you know what? I do need to get my shit together. Hey, Martin, could you help me get my shit together? They're going to reach out to you. They're going to listen to this episode and they're going to reach out. Maybe they're going to put it on the Spotify questions. Someone please help me get my shit together. <laughs> um, problem solving skills. We talked about that a lot, but resilience. Resilience is one that you don't necessarily hear a lot, but I would say it's on the top 10 list of important traits in a human being. Wouldn't you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, failure. Failure and loss. and. This is what, you know, with coaching, very important to teach the kids because, man, I mean, you know, I, I, you know, I hate to admit it. And one of the, the things I don't like about coaching younger groups right now, I'm coaching sixth grade, right? And is all of a sudden you get a lot of tears on the sideline over failure. And then spend another five to 10 minutes explaining to the child that, look, it, it's okay to fail. You're going to physically fail. But you have to, you know, these are the things you need to do to build your resilience. Because guess what? Sports not just tough. Life is tough. That's what, that's how it is. I, you know, you're not going to have the best situation every single day. So the the kids have to get used to it. That's a good point. I would I would like to see more um, people in authority make children aware of the importance of failure because let's say it's something simple like um you know i don't know a, a fucking pull up right yeah um so if i tried to do a pull up today and i'm not saying me but like let's say this little kid right 
and he tries to do a pull-up today, he's going to fail, likely. Mm-hmm. And he's going to try tomorrow, and he's going to fail. And he's going to try tomorrow, and he's going to fail, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. But by day 30, day 40, day 50, whatever that day is, he gets that pull-up. So he can fail 50 times and then achieve it, or he can never fail, but he never gets to day 30 where he's getting closer. Never gets to day 40 where he's even closer. He never gets to day 50 where he actually achieves it. He's still 50 days away from, he's 50 failures worth away from achieving anything. And you have to have those failures to realize that failure doesn't mean it's over. It just means you're going to try again. And you're going to try again until you fucking get it. And with something simple like a pull-up, it's easy to explain. But in something difficult like getting a new job, starting a business, making a relationship work, any of these things, like you have to fail to move forward. Because if you just get it the first fucking time, you never build up any resilience. Yeah. No, it's it's also how it is. Uh, gosh, I see it a lot in high schools, right? Where I think a, a lot of times now parents start intervening when, when things get tough. And you know what? High, schools, high school years are tough years, you know? I think when I look back, and even listen to a lot of people's past experience. That was a tough time in their life, but yeah, I, I always use the example of my uh, son, you know, played club uh, soccer for so many years. And yeah, when you're playing club, it's you're, you're good at what you're doing, right? But then all of a sudden you get to a big school like ours and moving into, a, you know, just moving into the city, he's brand new freshman, brand new to the school. And... All of a sudden, he realizes that, boom, he's like the bench warmer. And I'm talking, I remember watching him sitting off the bench on the ground because the bench was too full, that type of bench warmer. <laughs> and I, you know, I felt terrible. And as a parent, I was like, oh, you know, it'd be so much easier, right, to just, you're one game into the season, right, it's rainy, he's sitting on the ground to quit and just say, oh, well, maybe this isn't for you. Yep. But, you know, it was the point where it's like, you know what? He has to learn to be resilient. He, he may not enjoy the season, but you know what? We got to stick it out because maybe, who knows, maybe by end of the season he'll like it. But if he doesn't, then, hey, guess what? You went through a full season, realize it's not for you, move on to the next thing. And that built up his resilience to say, well, that's not something I want to do, but I realize oh, I want to go to the gym with dad. And within two years, he was, they were begging him to play football. You know, it, it gave him a lot of confidence. And I don't think it was the gym. I think it was that year of just realizing that, hey, guess what? This isn't club anymore. <laughs> this is tough. And going through some of that rejection, and it was, a, it was a brutal, it was punches to his confidence. But I think he had to make it through to understand and to feel that to come out the other side. I think there's a lot of people that would rather just stay in that club and never realize competition, never realize failure, never realize um, that there's a lot more out there that's way bigger than you and way better than you. And you're going to have to fucking step up. Yeah. Um, I know this is right. Like you can take TV shows for what they are, but the, the TV show bear on Hulu, great show. 
it's got the lip from uh, Shameless is, is the main act is the main character, but they were following this Dutch pastry chef, and it's it's all about it's about kitchen stuff. It's it it's a drama, but it's great because this guy was talking about how he uh he was a troubled kid, and he buried himself into cooking like it, it was just this thing that he fell in love with and he got really 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 good really 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 fast and he was invited to come work in this super high-end kitchen and he walked in and he's like i was going to be the best fucking chef there right and he's like but there was this one guy and he's like everything i could do he could do better and quicker everything and he's like, finally, when I swallowed my pride and I said, this guy is fucking better than me, mm-hmm. I said, I am going to learn everything I can from this guy. And he's like, it was the hardest year of my life, but the most gains that I've ever made in my life when I realized that I am not the best in this little fucking town. Yeah. I am going to go to a big, big, big pond and I'm going to learn how to swim with the big fish. Right. There's a lot of people that would just rather sit in that little pond and be the big fish. And they were the fucking high school quarterback that threw the that threw the game winning touchdown and has never done anything with their life since. Oh, yeah. I took the words right out of my mouth there. So that's the people want to stay in the club. People want to remain the big fish in the little pond. But at some point you got to you have to push yourself to say, hey, you know, if you, if you want to be a big dog, you got to roll with the big dogs, but you got to be humbled before you get to that point. I think people mix up uh, confidence with, you know, high ego, right? I think a lot of times the high ego folks are the ones that are the the little pond, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. But it just it just, you have to, gosh, man, to learn anything, to even self-reflect, takes humility and it's just uh i think it's the most understated trait that doesn't get a lot of attention agreed that's pretty much my list um anything you want to wrap up with so oh, I think spend time with your fucking kids yeah i think we covered a lot and just spend some quality time you know not not quantity time and you know for the single dads that are listening to us that i know it's a struggle because you only get your kids so much time, you know, just make that worry about the quality. Don't worry about the quantity. If, if you're one of those that, yeah, you get them, gosh, just on the weekends or just on every other weekend, which is, man, that's tough. You know, just spend some quality time. You don't need to impress them. You don't need to take them anywhere and, you know, give them the wow factor and spend a lot of money or buy them crap to, you know, make them like you. Because a lot of those seeds that you invest in the quality time might not seem like they pay off, but and when your kids get to their teens, late teens, and in their twenties, so don't worry, man. They'll they'll realize it. They'll look back and highlight those points that you spent a good quality time with them. You're building a relationship for life. Yep. And that's the biggest thing. Yeah, I I agree a hundred percent. Especially you know anybody that's if you only get five hours with your kid every week that five hours should be the most attentive five hours where you're learning everything about them everything about their week you're talking to them you're explaining them you know things that you did things that you love and you guys are you're creating a bond because that bond is going to be there for life versus 
the fucking shoes that you bought them that are going to be there for six months. Yeah. And not even cool in two. Unless they're Jordans. Yeah, I guess. That's what they say. <laughs> I, don't even, I couldn't even pick out a pair of Jordans except for the logo. So. Yeah, me neither. All right, that's a wrap. All right,